Hashtag Pistons Podcast. Welcome back to another unexciting episode. I'm Joe. I'm your host. I'm joined, as usual, by Kuka Hill. You can find him on Twitter, at Kuka Hill MBA. You can find me on Twitter, at Joe underscore Truck. We are joined once again today by another special guest. We've got Duncan Smith with us today, the blog father of the Pistons blogosphere. You can find him on Twitter, at Duncan Smith NBA. He writes now for Forbes. Uh, he is also the site expert of the Miami Heat fan-sided blog, All You Can Heat, and he always respects his elders. How are you doing today, Duncan? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing as good <laughs> Who, as possible. Who's just doing? Um, so we're pretty much just going to talk about just sort of general off-season stuff. Um, we'll just sort of start at the front and work our way on through. Uh, so first off with the draft, um, me and Koo have talked about it quite a bit, but Duncan, just sort of... What were you some sort of just overall thoughts on the draft anywhere in particular that you want to talk about with that? I, I thought it was a productive draft. I was I was really pleased that they were able to get a steal. I think in uh, in Siku, um, you know, I think that he was projected to go around the top ten uh, by a lot of uh, by a lot of draft experts. Uh, so for him to to drop to them at fifteen, I think that was that was a pretty. Um, pretty solid break for them uh, and I also I like what they did with that second round pick um, obviously they weren't especially impressed with Kevin Porter Jr. so flipping him into some multiple draft picks and I believe the maximum that you can get in cash uh, for a deal like that uh, you know it, it wasn't splashy or anything like that but I think it was productive and I think they came out of it a little bit better than we could have hoped going in yeah I mean the Seku thing, because so I think Vince Ellis is the one who reported this. The Pistons had him fifth overall on their own draft board, which, you know, maybe they're wrong about that. But it's one of those things that if you're not able to, you know, willing to take a shot on a guy when everyone on the inside of your team is so confident in him and thinks so highly in him, you know, what's even the point of having all of your scouts and such and doing all of that work? And, uh, I mean... There's some ways in which his fit is not necessarily the best right away. There's some ways in which he could be because he's obviously kind of a big, long wing who projects out at least as a decent defender, uh, which the Pistons need. But I actually wrote a piece on this before the draft that it really kind of comes down to that. You can't worry too much, especially in today's NBA. You can't worry too much about you know a, a player's fit with the current roster necessarily. You should just draft the best guy available because... Even if Seku is a guy who long-term is going to be a power forward, right? He's not really a small forward. He really is a power forward, even if he never becomes a particularly good shooter. You know, the sort of guy that can't necessarily play that well next to Blake Griffin. I mean, by the time he's off his rookie contract, Blake Griffin's probably going to be gone anyways. So why are we even that worried about that? So that's kind of the main thing for me is they clearly thought he was the best player available, and they went for him. So I thought that was the right choice to make. Cool, you could say something there. Uh, sorry, I had a sneeze. But yeah, I, I, I like I, we've already talked about this before, Joe. Um, I, I wasn't actually. You, we were all at dinner when the draft pick was made, and I hadn't known much about him. And you, uh, Sham and Sham and uh, Escobar were pretty happy about uh, about the the pick. I hadn't known much about him, but the more I've watched, and I try to watch as much of everything you could watch, because you can't really watch like. I couldn't really find full games of his uh, uh, 
his overseas play. So I watched some of the pro days and his highlights. And then we got one game of the Summer League that we watched. And even without watching, you understand why they made the pick. He's a big wing. He's long. And, you know, I've, I've ranted on here plenty of times about how that uh, after trading Stanley and Reggie, Reggie Bullock, how much the Pistons were just empty on the wings and how they need to upgrade that. So it makes sense why they did it, especially after they also attacked it with the Tony Snell trade. So obviously they were in the mindset of we refuse to let that be such a gap, just such a huge gap in our team next year. So I understand it, but, you know, I'm we, obviously we have to see what he looks like this year preseason uh regular season and see how it goes moving forward how they use them but i understand the pick at least well he only played the like 13 minutes in one summer league game and duncan you said that you didn't watch any summer league so we won't even uh you you don't even need to chime in on this bit but <laughs> but you know there, that's almost honestly a benefit because we're going to be here trying to read into 13 minutes of a summer league game and you could just go up oh, i didn't watch it i don't need to even pretend right. to read anything from it but uh the irony is that he actually looked much more comfortable on offense than he did on defense uh but the one thing that stuck out to me there and when watching his uh film from when he was playing in france uh one really big thing that stood stands out is he's really got nice touch around the rim um there's some guys that they just sort of have that soft touch that you know, the, it's kind of a cliche, but for some guys, when they put the ball up, it just goes in. A uh, guy in the Pistons right now that really is like that is kind of like Blake, where there's times where he's around the hoop and he just kind of flips it up, and it's like that doesn't look like it should work, but it just kind of does work for him. And I'm not saying that Sekou's going to be Blake, obviously, but he certainly has a soft, soft touch around the rim, which impresses me because, you know, when he's you've got a guy who's hasn't necessarily played that long, uh, is billed as being really raw, which he obviously is. Uh, it is nice to see that, you know, he at least, he knows how to make the ball go in the hoop, which, you know, is something that Stanley Johnson never really figured out how to do. Uh, so he's already a leg up there. Um, and then to sort of transition from the draft into the free agency stuff, we know that Koo is a big fan of the Pistons free agency because they had a Derrick Rose. Um, and yeah, Koo's pointing to his Derrick Rose jersey on the wall. Um I guess, you know, we could just start there and move, sort of move by move through it. Um, what did you think of the Derrick Rose signing? Oh, you still there, Duncan? Sorry, I thought that was going to Koo because uh, he is the... <laughs> oh, yeah. Koo no. got an entire, no. literally an entire podcast where we spoke about nothing but... Derek Rose, so Ku doesn't need to say anything here. He's gotten it out of the system, eh? Yeah. That's yeah. Like. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you know, I think I'm on the record as not being the biggest Derek Rose guy. Um, a fit and a talent perspective, I think it's good. I think for the amount that paid for him, uh, I think it's good. Um, one of the things I've been hammering home all offseason is just upgrading from guys like uh, Jose Calderon um, at the at the end of the bench and and the guys who shouldn't be in the NBA, basically, uh, that the Pistons had to rely on last year. Simply having upgrades on that, um, you know, in the form of Derrick Rose and, uh, you know, it's a separate signing in Tim Frazier, but that's a guy that's going to be able to give you more than Calderon did last year. Um, so I think that uh, 
that Rose is um, kind of a, a bigger win than really meets the eye. He checks a couple of the boxes that the Pistons need, but the biggest concern for me is that health. Like, if he's only going to give you, like, 55 or 60 games, it's not that great of a signing. You know, if he can put together a, a full season or season, uh, maintain some level of health, and I think their plan is to play him, like, you know, the mid-high teens, maybe, low 20s minutes per game. It's not going to be um, a starting point guard by committee uh, necessarily. Um, I think if they are really going to ration his minutes next season, I think that that could his uh, his usability throughout the season. Um, so I I think there's a lot to like about that uh, that signing, even though you know it wasn't my my dream deal or anything like that. I th- I think it was a pretty good signing. Um, and then with Derrick Rose, one of the big questions we talked about this quite a bit, Koo, So we can kind of just let Duncan go on this. But um, do you think? That So the way that I kind of looked at it with Derrick Rose is that on the surface, as long as he plays, you know, 65, 70 games, it should be a pretty good signing because, like you said, uh, he's a useful player and he checks some boxes that the Pistons need. But the thing that could potentially push it into being a really good signing would be could he somehow find a way to coexist um, even in limited minutes potentially with the starters and essentially next to Reggie Jackson. Um, and we were a little bit mixed on, I was not terribly confident, Koo was a little more confident. Do you think that there's any chance that, I mean, we'll probably at least see it, I would guess that they will at least experiment with it a little bit, but do you think that it's going to be at all successful trying to play Derrick Rose next to Reggie Jackson, or maybe you don't even think that we will see it at all? Um, well, I mean, Casey tried to play Ish and Reggie Jackson together last year, so I think if he, if he tried to do that, I think that it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for him to roll out some some Reggie and Rose lineups together. Um, I don't mind the fit. I think that it would be okay. Uh, I, I think that Reggie has shown himself to be pretty good off the ball. So, if, you know, if you're if you're running offense through, through Rose or through Blake, uh, you know, probably in, in short spurts, I don't know that you want to really have this lineup being on the floor for, for large chunks of games or anything like that. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think that it could work. You know, I don't know that it would be a top-tier lineup or anything like that, or even one of the best lineups that Pistons roll out. Uh, but yeah, I think that it could. I think it could be useful. Yeah, well, I think defensively well, it'll be a disaster, but I think offensively you can get the job done. Well, yeah, that that uh, Joe, like Joe said, he was a little lower on it than I was, and obviously, uh, I have this this aura of being a, a, a Derrick Rose fan. So anything I say will just I think be it's aura. <laughs> Oh, it just be it would be taken out of context context of what I say, or it will be oh he's just standing. But basically, what I told Joe was, and uh, Joe said that he was watching a lot of Derrick Rose tape when I when I uh, when we brought this up. But basically, what I said was the reason why I was more uh, I could see it working is that not only has Reggie proven last year that well, if we're assuming that last year wasn't a fluke for Reggie. That he he's going he's actually going to be pretty good off ball shooting wise, and he's and there's no reason not to believe that he's going to be more receptive even more receptive to the role that he has than he was last year, which he already was. But he's proven that he can play off ball. And then I watched obviously I watched almost every single Derrick Rose game, and one of the things I took away from it was they had they ran some lineups a lot with Derrick Rose and Teague, and then Rose and. Uh, 
Rose and uh, Tyus, Tyus Jones. And one of the things that I saw that really, it really started when he was uh, traded from Cleveland and was released by Utah. Once you hit rock bottom like that, you realize, you have to realize, if you're going to stay in the league, you have to realize that you're not the same person you were. And that was something he did, something he realized, which is why Minnesota brought him back. He, a lot of the things I realized was he started to understand, you know, and he said this after games a lot too. This is Cat's team. Uh, Wiggins is the most uh, talented guy. Uh, Teague is the starter, blah, blah, all kind of stuff like that. And when he was on the court, a lot of the times they ran, the, when he was on the court with Teague, they would run it through Teague and Rose would be in the corner. And he's imp- he's shown improvement cutting off ball. And if we are to believe his three-point shooting last year, which I know you uh, are very skeptical about, we've talked about already. But even if you don't believe in his three-point shooting, uh, his improvement beyond the line, I've seen reasons to believe that he's – Joe, come on, man. You can put the glasses back up. But I've seen reasons to believe that he's gotten much better as a cutter strictly because from strictly because his mentality had to change because if he wanted to stay in the league. So that had to do with the end, obviously. Uh, his ten, He's not what he was. So I've seen reasons to believe he, he's going to be better off ball, even though he probably would be on ball more than Reggie because Reggie probably would be better off ball than he would be. But – Pretty much all that I came to say that, yeah, I'm with you. I think it could probably work. Not for long stretches, like you said, but I think, I definitely think we're going to see it because it's Dwayne Casey and he, like you said, he trucked out Ish and Reggie all the time. So I definitely think we're going to see it and I think it it could work, but not for like long stretches, like you said. Well, my, my thing is, so like you said, Duncan, I think that defensively it would really be an issue. I'm just not sure that uh, they would be that they're a clean enough fit offensively to make up for the fact that I think defensively it would be a real issue. Um, like you know, like you said, Reggie is a lot better off the ball now. He's pretty comfortable off the ball, and and to give Derrick Rose credit, like Koo said, he's he's become a fairly active and solid off ball cutter, and he's a good enough finisher at the hoop to uh, be, you know, to be useful. So, like, there's times where Bruce Brown would cut really well last season, but he just missed when he got to the hoop. Derrick Rose is going to hit those enough that uh, he's a really useful cutter, but I don't trust Derrick Rose's three-point shot. Reggie Jackson is, like, I mean, he, he shot pretty well last season, but he sort of tops out as a pretty decent shooter. Uh, so I just, I just don't know that the fit is clean enough on offense for it to be more than, yeah, that's nice offensively, but it's not great, and I think defensively it would really be an issue. Uh, but like you said, they try, Dwayne Casey tried to play Derrick, uh, not Derrick Rose, he tried to play Ish Smith and Reggie Jackson last season together. So, and that was at least as poor a fit on both ends as Derrick Rose and Reggie Jackson are. So uh, I'm sure that we're going to see it at the very least. Um, and then, you know, we could just go right into it because you already brought him up a little bit. But Tim Frazier... Um, what would be the number of games, right, right now? So I'm from the future, right? What would be the number, the most number of games I could say that Tim Frazier had to play real minutes in that you would be comfortable with? Oh, that's the question. Um, you know, because, you know, if, if we're talking about, so like relief and foul trouble and, and stuff like that for Reggie. Um, maybe they can 
find extra extra minutes for him maybe to play the, the two as well as the one. I am not that familiar with his game to know if like that's something that's really in his repertoire. Oh, I don't know if you know. I don't, I don't know if you like look at his game total next year and you see sixty-five games and you just automatically think, "Wow, the Pistons must have had a terrible year." <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't know if maybe I'm a high game total is necessarily like some sort of uh, you know, harbinger, har- harbinger of doom or anything like that. Um, that if his role is expansive over the course of the season, that's probably not a great sign. Um, that's probably a sign there's something like wrong with uh, with with Reggie or, or Derek Rose. Um, so you know, I think ideally he's probably not going to have a significant role. If they find ways to utilize him, I don't think that would be the end of the world. Um, and like I would say, probably just about, with the exception of of maybe Siku to less to a lesser extent is probably tradable, you know. Um that depth chart is probably fairly fluid as, as time goes on. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any kind of like set limit that I would say is uh kind of like a good thing versus a bad thing for Tim Frazier Tim Frazier's games played and minutes and all that. Okay, here. I'll I'll rephrase it, okay? What is the maximum number of games that you would be comfortable with Derrick Rose or Reggie Jackson missing slat. Tim Frazier, you know, this isn't them just finding some minutes for him. He is the backup point guard, I guess, would probably be the better way to put it. Fair. Um, I'd say you're probably looking at probably a good 20 anyway. I think that's probably a number you could just start with because uh, between Derrick Rose, you know, there will be games missed for sure. Um, you know, I'd say 20 is probably what you would consider to be acceptable, even expected. Um, I think if we're looking at like 30 plus, I think that's where we start to get into the danger zone. Danger zone. Something went wrong. If you if he's like the backup or even starting some games or something like that um, in 30 games, like something went wrong somewhere. Yeah, and just to... Uh, oh, cool. you want to say something? No, I was just going to say that, yeah, I agree. I would, 20 games would be around my max. Yeah, um... One thing that is, just because you mentioned it earlier, um, he's not a guy that they will be playing at shooting guard. He hypothetically could play next to either uh, Derek or Reggie with them playing a little bit of off-ball. He's not a terrible shooter, so he could play off-ball, but he, he's not big enough to play shooting guard himself. Uh, he'd at least generally be the nominal point guard. Uh, but, you know, he is a comfortable enough passer and a fairly competent shooter, so he could hypothetically play next to the other point guards in at least small dosages. Uh, but, yeah, I doubt he would get... Just because if the Pistons had the issue at shooting guard like they do at small forward, where they've really only got one proper small forward on the roster, and that's Tony Snell, and Tony Snell's, like, only okay... If it was like that, then I think, yeah, he'll probably get a lot of minutes like that. But they've actually got quite a few guys who can really play shooting guard and are real shooting guards. So, as such, I just don't think that that's something that's going to happen a lot. Um, I would agree with both of you guys, though, that if he gets much more than, like, uh, 30 games where he is the guy as the backup point guard, or if he goes really any, just about any stretch with him as a starter... 
uh, you know, more anything more than just a spot start here or there for whatever reason, um, that, then you start to get into a, a spot where it's a big issue. Uh, but I would say, like you said earlier, um, Tim is a guy who's definitely going to produce at a level better than what Jose Calderon did this past season or uh, what, you know, what Jameer Nelson did the season before that or Steve Blake before that. Uh, he's just... He's, he's a guy that you can count on to not totally ruin everything, I guess, is the best way to put it. So as long as you don't expect anything beyond just a sort of base level of competence, he'll be okay. But if you have to start to expect much more than that out of him, then you're going to get into trouble. Um, one thing that is nice about him is he's really a good lob thrower, so if he plays much with Andre, uh, there should be some nice chemistry there, hypothetically, because... I just remember when he was with the Pelicans, he was he threw an awful lot of lobs to Anthony Davis, and it kind of got a reputation. He has a reputation among Pelicans fans. Not It's different because he's not as big a scorer, but he's got a little bit of the same sort of reputation that Will Bynum does with Pistons fans, where you know even though he wasn't that good, he's got pe- pe- people have fond memories of him just because he's good at throwing lobs to someone. So, yeah, I think if he ends up having to play with Andre a little bit, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But... Yeah, and then so after Tim Frazier, uh, Markeith Morris, which that move kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I certainly wasn't expecting that. Um, so the first thing with that is, do you see um, the signing of Markeith Morris as a condemnation of Thon, or do you think that it is their full intention to just use Thon and Markeith as their backup front court and? That's not at all something that we should view as a yeah they think Thon is terrible. Um, I don't necessarily think it has to be a condemnation. I think that it's an acknowledgement that Thon is uh, is not exactly Thon. Yeah, yeah, Thon is not exactly uh, where you want your um, NBA big man to be. Uh, you know, it's. I think it's simply a necessity. Um, yeah, like who said, Thon is Thon. Yeah, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that's that's the deal, you know. Well, Kuz- no, no, Joe, hold on, Joe, hold on, just hold on, just hold on, just a second. Duncan, I need I need you to give me. Okay, actually, I just want to get you. I want you to give me one word to describe what you think about Thon Maker playing backup center. Duncan, you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I'm just trying to think if I want to just throw... I'm trying to think of, like, what, what kind of vocabulary I want to use for this one. You are um, allowed to cuss if you want. That We allow that here. Adventurous. <laughs> adventurous. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Joe. It definitely, it definitely would be adventurous. I'll tell you that much. We'd be going to some pretty bad place. You know, I've got, I've got a word for you, Koo. Go ahead. Have you seen Saving Private Ryan? Nope. Oh. Are you familiar at all with the phrase foobar? Nope. <laughs> I think good. that'd be a pretty accurate way to put it in the end. Foobar. I think. I mean, he so just... Basically, so basically what Joe is getting at here with the with the Markeith Moore signing is that we're probably going to see Thonis at five or we're going to see... and Either we're going to see him at five, the backup five, or... I believe it was Vince who came on and suggested to us that 
thank thankfully, thankfully, thank God. Apparently, I backed out of the I backed out of the podcast when Vince said this, or I would have popped a blood vessel. But but apparently, the Vince suggested the idea was play Marquise at the five and Thon at the four. So apparently, one of those two options are going to happen. What what do you think about those two options being the likelihood of what the Pistons go into the season with? Um, you know, the idea of Markeith at, uh, at the five and Son at the four is interesting. Um, you're allowed, you're allowed to say it's insane. It's, it's kind of crazy. Okay. The thing is like any scenario where you look at with, with Son getting like major rotational minutes, like it all seems kind of (laughs) crazy. Yes, it is. Uh, which is, you know, like as as we just keep coming back to, like Thon is Thon, and it's really hard to find a way out of that. You know. Do you? So so you don't. You do, let me just say this. I've reached the point. I wrote an article like six months ago saying that oh the Thon trade's working well. Him and him and Andre are just wrecking havoc on defense. That I was high on. I was high on the trade at that point. You know how I had to be. For me to be high on the trade, considering the fact that I almost, I almost cried a river when Stanley was traded, so I reached the point to where I was okay with them, and now I've reached the point to where I'm all the way, I am all the way out on him, completely out on him. I think he's just awful. What do you, what do you think about his future with the Pistons? You think that he, you think he has any role that could be positive, not just what we have when we have to play him kind of thing? That uh, it's, that expiring salary could be nice trade bait. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Might be able to get someone to take it. <laughs> Maybe yep. can you can get someone to take just about anything if you try hard enough. Yeah, that is. Yep. True. Yeah, Derek Rose knows something about that, doesn't he, Coop? Yeah, man, totally. Go ahead, go ahead, Joe. With what you want to go with, man. go ahead. <laughs> no, no, we're not, we're not gonna go there. You know, I'm, we're not just, going if there. you just go try hard enough, it. you can make someone take things. Yeah, I'm not. I won't go there, Koo. It's okay. Next topic. We could let that, let that be. Um, <laughs> here, well, connected to that, uh, to the Markeith Morris thing, um, is that you can you can be a tiebreaker here, Duncan? Because so we had James Edwards on last week. And he was pretty insistent that he thought the Pistons were going to almost certainly add uh, another center and with their last roster spot. But then Vince, that was uh, later last week, a few days after we had James on, and Vince said that he was not as com- but he was just not as confident they were going to do that. He sounded like, made it sound like they're much more comfortable with they may they might sign someone, but they also might just go into the season with that roster spot open. Um, do you think that they're going to add a, set, a proper center, or do you think they are going to go into the season with literally Thon and Markeith are the backup bigs, and that is all that is on the roster for that? I have kind of operated under the assumption that they're going to sign a, a backup center. That's been my assumption all along. Nothing that I've, that we've seen so far this offseason has shown me anything that that convinces me otherwise. Um, you know, I don't know who their target is necessarily. I'd, I'd have to look and see who's still available. I know the center ranks are, uh, but I mean, at this point, like one's about as good as the next anyway, considering like what's available. So, um, yeah, that's my assumption. I figure that they're uh, to get like an actual, a true center. 
Well, that'll make you happy. Uh, actually, Duncan, I need you to be a tiebreaker for this one, too. You know you know who Sham is. You happen to know him very well, I assume. I'm familiar, uh, yes. Yes, very familiar. Very familiar. Uh, yes, very. Um, me, me and Sham got into quite the argument in, in our little group chat. Sham basically was around this whole time maker being the backup five. And I threw this out here. I need you to just tell me if I'm being if I if I went too far with it, or do you think do you think I went too far with it, or do you think I can't wait? <laughs> did I go too far with it, or or my concerns justified? I said at this point, I'd rather go out there and see Zaza Pachulia, <laughs> Zaza Pachulia at the back of five, than watch Don try to box out opposing fives. What do you think about this? I think this is probably closer than, than it seems. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> this is tough, thank man. You. We okay. might need one more vote to break this tie because I'm, I'm kind of like... I, I tend to sort of like walk the line anyway, but I think this is close. Okay, okay. hold up That's a second. It's, it's, it's a really hold up. miserable option either way. That is not all that Kumail Cahill said about this, okay? <laughs> this man also said... I would rather sign. He said, and I quote, you remember who was working out for some teams in Las Vegas recently? Oh, yeah. Didn't this get on Twitter? You want Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, Amari Stoudemire. He would rather sign Amari Stoudemire and have him be the backup center than watch Thon again. He said these words. And that is actually what really prompted him and Sham to get into a tizzy. So let's just be clear. It's not that he was like, I'd rather just bring Zaza back, and Sham was like, oh, no. Sham was just kind of like, well, that seems <laughs> stupid. Then this man said he'd rather have Amari Stoudemire on the team. And that's, an that's what prompted this. Are you even old enough to be nostalgic about Amari Stoudemire, man? <laughs> no. I, like, I said, like I said, I told Sham in the group. He's just this dude you've heard of, isn't he? <laughs> like I told Sham in the group. I don't care. At this point, I actually I literally said this. I would rather have literally just about any center with muscle or fat than than, than <laughs> see Thon out there. Like I legit watched Thon last year struggle to box out guards, struggle to box out forwards, follow people because he can't box them out, get stuck underneath the rim. I can only that my brain wants to explode trying to imagine Thon Maker try attempting. To play center for an entire season for the Pistons, I don't. I don't has, know. Has Has anybody seen pictures of him this summer though? Because he's working out with Giannis. I, I don't. If he packs it on, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, Remember, we saw some pictures of him at the summer league. I saw him on the camera, and he looks exactly the same old Thon. He looks like he looks like Thon Maker to me. Looks okay, like string that cheese. Out. <laughs> yep. Don't trust him. Don't trust me. I, I, it got so bad on the podcast that I spent the last 30 minutes screaming. About, going, about no, no, Joe. No. Oh, no. Just repeatedly. It was terrible. It is terrible. It was one of the worst sections of podcasts we've ever recorded. And we've recorded some bad sections of podcasts at our time here. <laughs> it's been almost a year since we brought Kuan as a co-host. And we've recorded some really terrible sections in that time. And that may have been the worst. Just repeatedly, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. He couldn't do it. He couldn't bear to think about it. Um, I don't think anybody can. One thing but, with... Uh, um. 
I don't really care if there's some pictures of him looking stronger or that he's working out with Giannis because that's been the case each of the off seasons. Because in this is even before he got drafted, Thon has always had a really good reputation as a guy who really, really, really works hard, uh, and he's he's had that reputation since before he was drafted, and so. In the summer, he gets out and he starts working out with people. And everyone goes, man, he's just going so hard. He's really going to get better. And people assume that he's going to get bigger, stronger, faster, etc. And it just hasn't happened. So as much as I would like to believe that this summer is going to be different, I just I don't see anything this summer that's stood out as opposed to the last couple of summers where people were convinced Thon's going to make the jump because, well, he just works like a maniac because... Sometimes it's actually possible to work like a maniac and not actually get that much better. Uh, I think, here's really the thing. I think a lot of people just need to fully come to grasp to the idea that Thon is not actually that physically talented. He's tall, he's a pretty good jumper, but he's got really small hands. He's not strong, he can't add on muscle. Uh, You know, just... There's some things that he just doesn't have, and so I think that's the thing that people just need to understand is that he actually isn't that physically gifted and talented beyond the fact that he's tall, honestly. And I think that would help a lot of people get their expectations into a, a more reasonable area because, you know, when he was drafted, he was billed as this phenomenal talent who might make it. And then you hear talk about how, well, he just works so hard, he works so hard, and then people want to think, well... He's got all this talent, and he's working so hard, so how can he not realize at least some of it? And I think that people just need to realize that, you know, in terms of an NBA player, Thonmaker is just not actually that physically and naturally talented. He's just skinny, you know. He's tall, but there's a lot of tall guys in the NBA, and a lot of them are not so skinny that, you know, you're worried they might break every time they jump. So, yeah, that's kind of... That's kind of my thought on that. And we're, we, we won't keep going on that because Kool will get all riled up if we keep talking about the potential of Thon and Center. We don't want a repeat of that section. Um, so then, after the free agency stuff, so you said you haven't watched any th- Summer League, so we won't even bother getting into any of that. But um, one of the big questions heading into the season is what is the spot going to be in the rotation slash possibly starting lineup for Luke Kennard? And so I'm curious about your thoughts on this, Duncan. Um, do you think that they're going to try and start him? Do you think they try and go with, uh, you know, him as a sixth man thing again? Uh, do you think they're, they're going to be able to figure out a way for him to play effectively next to Reggie and in particular Blake, et cetera, et cetera? Just sort of what are your thoughts on that whole situation with Luke coming into the next season? I like the idea of him coming off the bench still. Um, I, I think that more utility in the starting lineup than, um, than as a guard off the bench. Um, I also think that the offense that Luke can bring off the bench superior to anything that, that Bruce really can provide off the bench. Um, and I just think that there's not quite enough ball to go around with, uh, with Luke in the starting lineup. So ultimately I would love to see him in the starting lineup, but I think right now with this team configured as it is, I think it makes more sense to have him coming off the bench. And then, does, uh, so, 
Does the presence of Derrick Rose and Markeith Morris, both guys who can hypothetically get their own shot a little bit more, that doesn't change your opinion on that at all? You you pretty much, even with those guys there, because obviously he's certainly a more dynamic scorer than Markeith is, and obviously he's a much better shooter than either of those guys, but um, the signing of both of those guys made me lean a little bit more towards, well, maybe the bench will be able to survive without him offensively. Uh, but you pretty much stay put that not nah, even with those guys, the bench kind of needs him on offense. Oh, that's a pretty good point. I think that as much as anything, I think that um, I think that it's it's simply more a matter of like how we can be utilized the best. You know, Blake takes up such a uh, a significant chunk of the offense, and Reggie takes up such a, a significant chunk of the offense. Um, now, while you're right that um, that Derek Rose and, and Mark Hugh they also, you know, can get their own shot and everything, and that will take away somewhat from from Canard's offense. Um, I don't think that it would have quite the same detrimental effect that uh, the, the playing alongside uh, Reggie and Blake will for him, where he just like completely disappears, you know, and um, like Bruce disappearing on offense. You don't need a guy like uh, like uh, like Luke disappearing on offense, and I don't think that's going to happen nearly as much coming off the bench. Well, I mean, the main appeal to potentially starting Luke would be you could have a proper, like, four legit shooters on the floor in your starting lineup. That Reggie Jackson is a pretty good shooter. Tony Snell is a good shooter. He just doesn't shoot quite enough. I think Blake Griffin probably proved his chops as being a solid shooter last season. And then Luke is your just absolute sniper. And then you've got Andre in the middle. And that would be sort of the main appeal to trying to start him. Um, but another thing that... I think sometimes gets a little bit undersold by people who are saying, oh, just have Luke start, is even with Derek and uh, Markeith off the bench, if if Luke starts, you've got Derek Rose, Bruce Brown, somebody, maybe Sekou, maybe Svi, Ed Smallford, and then Markeith and Thon. Unless that's Svi and he really is ready to play and he is as good a shooter on an NBA floor as he's looked other places, you might then be looking at a fatal lack of shooting with your bench, which, you know, I mean, even though Derrick Rose is able to create for himself, Marquise is able to create for himself, if no one is guarding anybody else, it's not going to do any good. So I do agree with you that even if they did decide to start Luke, um, I would think that he's going to get a lot of minutes with the bench mob just because without him, uh, unless some things break, like Kyrie Thomas plays more. Uh, we didn't even talk about Lynx Galloway, but he doesn't really deserve to be talked about because he wasn't very good. But, you know, if Luke's not playing with the bench much, the, the bench's offense could be a total disaster, not just because, you know, you want Luke to have the ball in his hands, but just for the fact that he can actually, you know, shoot. And, Koo, you've been – I've seen you lean in to try and say something a couple times here, so you can go ahead and say something. No, I was just gonna say that I think I think that an even bigger issue, and you two can answer and tell me what you guys think about this. I think the bigger issue with Luke isn't the fact whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. It's the fact that, like Duncan said, there when he came in in the game, and even with just Blake on the floor, with Blake and Blake and Reggie, he was just he was nowhere to be found. He would just like he would disappear. And me and Joe have talked about it a little bit. That, you know, some of it, I mean, I don't know if Duncan 
listened to that, but I'm sure he absolutely heard about it. My rant on Dwayne Casey a few like seven months back, but obviously some of it falls on Dwayne. But like we said, like me and Joe have talked about, there's been a plenty of times where we have just begged Luke to have the same kind of uh, I'm a shooter no matter what, like Langston does. If he had that kind of just I'm a let it fly attitude, I think Luke would be so much better. But when he's out there with Blake and Reggie, whether that's completely Luke, whether that's completely Dwayne Casey, I think it that's the biggest issue that the Pistons and Dwayne Casey have to solve because you're not going to be able just to avoid Luke playing ever with Blake and Reggie. You're going to need him on the floor. He's one of your best players. So you can't just avoid that. That's something that they're going to have to figure out because, like you said, when he was on the court with those two, he was he was virtually nowhere to be found. That has to be figured out. Well, yeah, I mean, to sort of connect on to that is hypothetically – you hope that Luke Kennard is this team's fourth best player this season. You Actually, if you want to be optimistic, he's maybe even your third best if you want to say that he has a really breakout season and he's now better than Reggie Jackson. But even at worst, you have to hope that he's at least your fourth best player on the team this year. And, you know, it's hard to see a way that your team's going to be able to succeed if you can't have your fourth best player on the floor in important moments. Because obviously Blake and Andre and Reggie are going to be on the floor. Well, maybe not Reggie because Dwayne Casey hates it, but Blake and Andre are going to be on the floor in important moments. And if Luke can't be on the floor with those guys in those moments, that's really a big detriment to the team. Because like who said, this is one of your best players. Like This is one of the few guys on your roster that in the playoff series last year actually looked somewhat good and didn't just look totally lost and a trash fire. So you can't afford to have that guy not be on the floor with your other good players. So that's going to be, and you know, Koo, you mentioned this a little bit, but I do think that people oversell the amount of Luke's sort of hesitancy not being Luke's fault. Uh, I think that it actually is largely on Luke, the fact that he's not always as aggressive as he should be. And I actually think that a lot of his fit issues with Blake and Reggie and such are actually on Luke because Luke's fit actually with Andre even was not always clean. When he'd run pick and rolls with him, their chemistry was not good. He'd kind of like run in front of Andre when Andre was rolling. And Andre Drummond is the sort of guy that he's pretty easy to work with if you're a ball handler. And Luke really struggled with it. And I think it's one of those things that, um, and I think uh, Zach Lowe wrote this as a positive thing about Bruce Brown earlier in the season. That, you know, one of the things that's the biggest benefit for Bruce Brown is that he just goes. He doesn't hold the ball. He doesn't dick around with the ball. He just goes with it, right? He gets the ball. He'll pass it. He'll drive. He'll do whatever. But he just, he doesn't dick around. And it's important to remember that pretty much every dude who makes it to the NBA spent at least some portion of their basketball lives as the jab-stepping superstar on the team. And I think a real key this summer has got to be for Luke to learn to not necessarily be that guy all the time. You know, he's got to get... I guess here's the best way to put it. Luke Kennard has spent basically his entire basketball life having all of his teammates adjust to his game. And this is really the first time that he's probably been really asked to adjust his game to other players. And that's not an easy thing to do. But it's really a key for him to accomplish, and I think that that is more on him than it is on anybody else. I don't think that it's Dwayne Casey's fault that Luke Kennard doesn't always shoot enough and that Luke Kennard doesn't fit that well with Blake Griffin. I think that's a Luke Kennard thing because 
There's a lot of really good players who've managed to fit just fine. All right. I guess really Reggie Jackson is the best example, okay? If Reggie Jackson can take his game and change it up and tailor it up enough that he can play effectively next to Blake Griffin, there's absolutely no reason that Luke Kennard can't do it. So if he doesn't, I think that's just a Luke Kennard thing. And if that doesn't happen this season, I'm not saying that it's time to panic about that, but I'd be at least a little bit worried about it because I'm not sure that Luke Kennard... And we're big fans of Luke Kennard here. We're not as big of fans of him as some people are. But, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, let's just be honest. We actually said this on, I think, the last pod coup. But um, some Luke, some people are are officially totally out of pocket with their support of Luke Kennard. There's no other way to put it. Like, there's some of it that's like, okay, guys, like, we love the dude, but let's let's chillax. Like, what was it? Eli, who we love. He's, he had Knew a you're going to go with Eli. <laughs> yeah, well, because he had a tweet that was like, just imagine if Luke Kennard took 22 shots a game. It's like, 22 shots? Do you people realize how many shots 22 per- shots per game is? Blake Griffin didn't take... Blake Griffin took, what, like 18 shots per game last year? Like, Russell Westbrook has taken 22 shots per game, like, twice in his career. Like, do you imagine? Like, that's a lot of shots. So let's maybe (laughs) chillax a little bit on the Luke Kennard stuff. But um, it's just that, uh, you know, we like Luke Kennard, but I'm not sure that I think he's necessarily a guy who's going to be particularly effective as a true number one option in a good offense, right? And that's not a knock on Luke Kennard. I see Luke Kennard as potentially being a killer, like, sort of tertiary option. I think Luke Kennard's ceiling is something akin to Eric Gordon on the Rockets, which is a really phenomenal player. But if he can't manage to play effectively with other ball-dominant players, he can't ever reach that ceiling. And then he does his ceiling kind of tops out as an effective guy who can play like 20 minutes off the bench. So if he doesn't start to show some progress in that area, it's not panic time. He's still plenty young and such. But I'd be a little bit worried about that if he doesn't start to show progress in that area. So, yeah. I, I just to chime in, like I really couldn't say any any of that better. Um, I think pretty much across the board, um, you, you really nailed the situation when it comes to Luke. You know, it, more than anything, the problems are there's worse problems to have in your your now third year player um there's definitely worse problems to have um but you know the next step i think is entirely on him yeah well i I mean look we like to blame Dwayne casey for things on this podcast we're big fans of blaming no joe no no don't start that no i don't think that this is one of them and don't do this joe that pains me to say i wish that i could go ah no Dwayne casey ass backwards coach as my friend Hill once said the fish rots from the head down. But I just don't think this is one of those things. I think they're saying that Luke Kennard, this is a Luke Kennard thing. And for what it's worth, I've got some faith he'll figure it out. He's clearly a high IQ player. Um, he's clearly a guy who wants to be great. Uh, that's one thing that has always kind of stood out to me is that he doesn't really... He's a guy who pretty clearly, even though, you know, the only reason anybody made comparisons to, like, J.J. Redick and Kyle Korver is because he's a white guy who's six foot five and a shooting guard, right? Like, he his game doesn't act, never actually looked much like either of those guys when they were in college, and he it clearly has never bothered him. He wants to be 
a really, really good player. He doesn't. He has no interest in being put into the box of just being a shooter, but he does need to be willing to be a shooter at least occasionally. So I think that's going to be a big thing for him. So I don't know, Koo, do you have anything else you want to tack on there? All I want to say is that don't let Joe try to spin it into, oh, we'd like to blame Dwayne Casey. No, Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey likes to be blamed. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't blame him for so much if he didn't screw up so much, right, Koo? Yep. Yes, precisely. If he ran some freaking pick and rolls, maybe we wouldn't blame him so much. No, since you're saying that, let me just okay. No, I, have I mean, to ask okay. The man took like 56 games to realize, hmm, maybe we shouldn't keep posting up Andre Drummond. So yeah, there's no there's no defending some of his actions. That's basically what I'm trying Fair. to say. To be fair, it took Stan Van Gundy three years to realize that. But at least when Stan Van Gundy was trying it, that was like when Andre was younger and they were like, yes, this is going to happen. But Stan Van Gundy had already been like, okay, this isn't happy. And then Dwayne Casey just was like, but what if we try to get, you know? It works for me. Yeah. Where's that uh, Where's that meme with the um, rest of development? Oh, yeah, exactly. Where maybe it'll work for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, it's also from Arrested Development. It's the, the do not open dead inside. The it's like you know do, it's like do not use de, do not post up dead inside. And then Dwayne Casey opens it up for fifty six games. And he's I'm not sure what I expected. <laughs> no, I have to. I have to. Okay, ask go ahead, about Go ahead. I ha- no, I have to. You brought him up. You had. You're the one who brought him up. This is on. This is on Joe. Don't let him spin this into a tweet later when he tweets out the podcast and is like, Koo goes off the rails and starts going at Dwayne Casey. No. But I have to ask Duncan. Duncan, how do you feel about the fact that it took... Actually, not even it took. We never saw a solution to Dwayne Casey figuring out a zone defense. How do you how do you feel about the fact that teams could just pull out zone defenses and we just look like... We just look like we had no clue what was going on out there. I remember that Miami game in particular because I think yeah. it was like the third game after I started writing about the Heat, and I was like, "All right, well, I'm, I'm going to learn about this uh, this Heat basketball team. You know, they'll match up against a team I'm very familiar with, and uh, we'll really get to see the, the Heat tested and all this." And then Miami went into a zone like one time, and the Pistons put the basketball down and just like left the building. It was really, <laughs> really incredible stuff. They're just like, "No, nah, we don't want to do this," and left. <laughs> No, nah, the the Seeing game a basketball that, team just throwing the towel like that, just from like one defensive look, feel like we're not playing this. <laughs> yep the the one the game that made me the game that has me the most just just I was just so thrown away this thrown aback about is just the Memphis Grizzlies game. I believe that was the game that Blake at the end of the year when Blake uh tried to run in the first half and then ended up not playing the second half. Literally, the Memphis Grizzlies. Ran the zone, dead ass, the majority of the game, and and I, it got, so, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it got so bad that I was taking my phone and literally I would record, I would record our offensive possessions and put it on Twitter and be like, <laughs> and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> we, we we would have nobody in the middle of the zone. We would just pass it around the zone. No one would, no one would try cutting. No one, you know. It was, it was taught to me in middle school, at Algonquin Middle School, that the way to beat a zone is to beat it from the middle, beat it from within. That's how you beat the zone. And we didn't even try. We didn't try to go inside. We didn't try to go to the middle. We didn't have nobody at the high post. We just passed around the perimeter. And we for real almost, if we would have lost that game, 
We do we make the playoffs? We might not make the playoffs. If we lose that game. Uh, I think we they got in by two games, didn't they? So technically, they could have actually lost that game. I think. But it had a sweat on the final day of the season, though. I think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no. More than just a sweat. I would have. Yeah. No. So but let's yeah. be honest. If the Pistons had lost that game to the Grizzlies, even if they made it in, they didn't really make it in. I think we could have just scrapped that whole uh, Pistons Twitter get together. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that three, you know, we can't celebrate this. Yeah. <laughs> no. There, there will be no celebrations here. Well, the one thing that for that game specifically, Ku, is that Blake should he had no right to be on the floor that game, and just they were legitimately playing four on five when Blake was playing. Like, there's a reason they fell down by they were down by like twenty points at one point, weren't they? Then the second half, they came back, and I think they ended up winning by, like, 10, didn't they? Something like that. So, that wasn't a coincidence. Blake had, look, God bless him. I I applaud him for giving it a go, trying to give it all for his team. But he, there was no way he should have even tried to play in that game. He could not move at all. And that game was still, I do have fond memories of that game, because that's the game where Andre, in the third quarter, he was just like, you know what? Fuck this. We're, we're, this isn't happening right now. And he had like three straight possessions. They just straight took the ball from Memphis players. That was incredible. That was hysterical. Like they couldn't get up the floor. Whoever was playing point guard for them. I forget who it was. It wasn't. I don't think it was Delam Wright at that point. Uh, and he was on the team at that point. But I think it was someone else. Whoever their backup point guard was. There were like two straight times he came up the floor. And Andre just went out and just took the ball from him. Which was hysterical. He also did it to Chandler Parsons once, which is always fun because Chandler Parsons looks like a prick. He does. It's hard to really remember exactly who did what in that game because it wasn't really an NBA team. Yeah, it wasn't. So. Oh yeah, that was even the worst part about that game. Yeah. Before the game, didn't we see that they had like eight NBA players yeah. out that game? We were all like, "Oh, we won this game. It's it's, it's easy." Yeah. That was. Terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, I do have fond memories of Andre just being like, you know what, no, no, screw screw this. And also, Ish had a good game. That was probably the last good Ish game we got to see in a Pistons uniform. That would have been. Those playoffs were bad. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. But don't tell Dwayne Casey that because he still wanted him to close some games. He, Joe, Joe has this. We done opened Joe up has, a box of worms here, man. <laughs> Joe, has, Joe has this ongoing war with him and Dwayne Casey over Reggie Jackson. He he won't fail it's, to bring it up every time. It's not podcast. a war. It's a fact. Dwayne Casey clearly thinks Reggie Jackson is not good at basketball. It's not, that's just, You do not have Jose Calderon finish games over Reggie Jackson if you think Reggie Jackson is good at basketball, Coop. When was the last time they actually had him finish? Because I think when Reggie started playing better, it was pretty noticeable. And I think that back, I could be wrong though. Maybe maybe he was closing games in like the beginning of April or something. Ish Ish closed a playoff game, two of them actually. I remember because Aaron Aaron Johnson got all snippy with me on Twitter. I remember that specifically. Yeah. So and Reggie, just, Reggie had a really good playoffs too. Yeah, I'm really good might be stretched, but he was solid. Good, nah, was good. No, nah, he was pretty good. Too. I I guess considering how bad most other people were, he was pretty good. But yes, yeah that that series was, it made me so sad because if Blake was healthy, like they may have been at least somewhat competitive. 
But without Blake, it was just, nah, just wasn't happening. Also, watching Thon defend Giannis made me physically ill. <laughs> like, just every single time. He literally, bro, that dude, what was even going through his head when he was trying to defend Giannis? He literally could not have done it more poorly. Like, he, he this dude who fucking... There'd be a rebound, and instead of being like, okay, what's the one thing you can't let Giannis do? Get out in the open and transition. So anytime a shot goes up, you just hustle your ass back, and so you don't just let Giannis... You'd be like, oh, what if I just stand here for a moment, not even try and get the offensive rebound. I'm just going to stand around the free throw line so that then I have to have a straight-up foot race against Giannis Antetokounmpo down to the other side of the floor. And they're just like, you know what I'm going to do once we get down there? I'm just going to... Foul him. But not a good foul. Not a real foul. Because I'm a wet noodle. I'm a f- piece of spaghetti. Easy and one every time. We should start calling Thon spaghetti. He can be the Italian. That's too bad that Thon's weak as, I already said he's weak as wet toilet paper. That's, that's what I say. Softer and five ply. This is what it is. Joe Joe spent a podcast literally before the playoffs thing. He was like, "No, we might want to still throw on him because Tom will at least Tom will go out there and just just foul him and stop him from scoring." I thought joke. maybe he could at least foul him right. You know, <laughs> maybe he couldn't even do that. Also, playoff fun had been a real thing the previous two playoffs he'd been in. It no longer is. Bucks fans lied to me. I've never I felt so betrayed. Joe, you're going to let it go. What? I said you just got to let it go, Bathon. Yeah, no. I I need to let it go. Koo, you spent like a half hour on our last podcast upset about this. I'm over it. I, I know no, what's coming. Not. You are not over it. You're nowhere <laughs> close to over it. Not even what a little up? bit. Not even slightly. You're about as over yeah. Thon Maker being terrible as Barry McCockner is about Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl. That dude, that dude has that. Let me stay on top. My I hero. Have, that is my I hero. Have, he got Skip Bayless to say live on TV that Chris Paul was making fun of James Harden's man boobs. I love that man. He can do no wrong after that. Just for that, I don't care. I don't care what else. That guy could go out and just murder someone with a machete on Come my on, street. Yo. And if I was on the jury, I'd be like, sorry, I cannot convict this man. He made Skip Bayless to say live on TV that Chris Paul is making fun of James Harden's man boobs. <laughs> I'm joking. Obviously, you can see where Joe takes this. So I'm going like, to direct it back to Pistons talk. Uh, I have a question. What do you say? Though we have to pause for a second, that was a great moment. <laughs> it's the skip truth. <laughs> My favorite part yeah, about that clip was was Shannon. You watch Shannon's face. He's like, as as he's saying, you know, it got so bad. And Shannon's like, oh yeah, yeah. And then he says, "Man boobs." Shannon's like, what? His expression completely changed. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, did this dude just say what? This? What's, what's even funnier about that is that Skip always talks about, at least when I used to watch those shows, he used, he always talks about, oh, I don't go on Twitter, I don't do anything on Twitter, I just go on there, 
I tweet what I have to say, and I make sure not to look at anything. And then, so obviously, he hadn't been looking at him. <laughs> That's the funny part to me. The man boobs. But let me ask Duncan this question okay, real quick. Cool. Uh, get us back on track. Yes, I'll get us back on track as the host, as the real host of this show. But uh, <laughs> um, Duncan, what do you th- do? You think that do you think that Seiku is going to be in the rotation start the season? If you had to take a guess, do you believe that it'll be him at the backup either forward spot? Um, probably. I think they want to see what he can do. I think, uh, especially early in the season, it'll probably be fairly pivotal as to where things go from there. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I expect him to get much of a like a, a heavy load or anything, but yeah, I, I think he'll get minutes. All right. Do you, uh, Joe? Do you have something to say, Joe? Or you're just gonna stay over there trolling. You're gonna get involved uh, no, in this I'm podcast. No, I was just. I was just letting you know that uh, I brought you onto this podcast. So I can take you out of it at any moment, bitch. That's that's an that's an empty threat. No, but, it's not. Either, either way. Don't tempt me, Koo. I will drop you from this call. Yeah, okay. Either, either way, either way, uh at the Summer League, uh, Dwayne Casey came on to the came on to the broadcast and was talking about Seiku and pretty much it confirmed to me that Seiku is going to be in the rotation to start of the season. They asked him uh what they thought about him moving uh this season and what he could bring to the team, etc. And he's opened up with saying just, we're going to get his feet wet. We're going to give him some experience. We're going to get him working. We're not going to hold it back with him. And then to the, the reason why he said that, he said, was because of his defense. They expect him to be a, a good defender out the gate. Now, Joe routinely talks about on the podcast that all rookies are bad on defense. None of them, none of them are actually good as a rookie. So whether, whether – uh, Dwayne Casey means he'll just be passable on that end more than the other option. I don't know, but pretty much what I've been, what I take away from the interview that Dwayne Casey had, he pretty much let us all know that he's going to be in the rotation. He's going to get his experience. He's going to get to play. They're not going to hold him back. And I fully expect him to be in the rotation to start off the season. Joe, you can, you can have your, I'll allow you to have some thoughts on this topic. So no, go ahead. I want, I want to hear what Duncan has to say because we've talked about this. So, Duncan, go ahead. I I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think he'll get minutes. I I am skeptical as to like how defensively he'll be. I, I think maybe um, better than is realistic on a 18 year old rookie being able to play uh, high-level NBA defense right off the bat. But, you know, I think he'll show some flashes, and uh, I think he'll he'll look good some days, he'll look bad some days, and uh, I think that over time we'll get a better idea of just what he can deliver. But, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely get minutes, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, cool. we've talked about this. If Dwayne Casey thinks you can play defense, he's going to play you. So, and just because you're like, Joe's always saying that, you know, Rookies are never actually that good. When I say they're not that good, I mean people have a tendency to overvalue rookies defensively because, let's just be honest, most people, they just watch the ball, right? So they miss all of the little mistakes that rookies usually make on defense. So there's sort of a cap, I guess, is the best way to put it. Like, Bruce Brown was a plus defender last season. He was a good defender. But some people are like, oh, he's like Tony Allen. He's, He's not there yet. He's got a lot of work to do still. So Sekou can still be potentially... Now, I would be skeptical of Sekou being a plus defender legitimately 
is because like Duncan said, you know, he's an 18 year old. He's he's a baby. This is not Bruce Brown who played two. Did Bruce Brown play two or three years? He played three years of college, didn't he? I'm not sure. I think he may. I'm pretty sure he played three, but he played two or three years of college and just, you know, just strong as an ox, built. This, like, Bruce Brown is a grown man and was last season. Seiko is not a grown man. Well, I mean, he, you know, he's a man. He's a grown up, I suppose. He's 18. But, you know, he, it's not the same thing. But I can still expect him to be a, you know, semi competent defensive player. And as we've brought up a bunch of times, his length could be huge for them on defense because other than Tony Snell, they really have no one else who has that. Uh, you know, the only other, like, hypothetical actual small forward on the roster is Svee Mikhailuk. And Svee's arms are, you know, they're so short he can't even touch his toes. So, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good one. I just came up with not, that just on, off the top of my head. Came out of nowhere. I see you laughing, Koo. It was not fun. You can't deny it. You can fight it all you want. But so, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to get some minutes. Um, my bigger worry is whether or not he actually deserves to get minutes because, once again, I think that Dwayne Casey's going to like what he brings on the defensive end enough just in that he's a long defender that I think he's going to play some no matter what. Um, my worry is that what if he actually really shouldn't be playing you know, like, what if when Svee plays, he actually looks really good. It's like, yeah, he can shoot, he can do this, he can do that. But Dwayne Casey thinks that Sekou's length on defense is more valuable than the fact that Svee is actually a good NBA player. I'd be a little bit worried about that because, in this thing, we've talked about once again, Koo, but I think Casey, and this isn't even that different from, like, Stan Van Gundy, Dwayne Casey really, really values guys for their defensive abilities sometimes to a fault. So that'd be something that's a little bit of a worry is that maybe he values Seku's defense to a fault. Uh, but I don't know. I When you've got a guy like Seku, who is a project and such, it's tough to say that almost, if he plays, you know, sparingly, but regularly, it's hard to, it would be hard to complain too much, even if he's not that good out of the gate. Uh, you'd still like to see him play some just for, in terms of his own development really so yeah no I have I have an idea if, if he's ready to play and he and he's all all ready to be that backup small four we can just go ahead and put Thon at the end of the bench and put Seiki with four that, that'll be that'll be that'll be alright just keep Thon at the end you know if you put if you put like a small fan on one end of the bench it would be very easy to move Thon to the other end. You just put it on low, and he'll just slowly waft away. Just come to let him float away. Yeah, exactly. yeah, just let him go. They maybe not even need a fan. Like I bet you, if you just had like the ball boy stand there and wave a towel at him a few <laughs> times, he'll just kind of whoosh, and you know he may end up all the way down the tunnel. And then he doesn't even need to be on the bench. Admittedly, he doesn't take up a lot of space on the bench, so you don't mind him being on the bench. Joe, Joe, chill out. You know, most of those guys, it's like they're in like two of the chairs. Thon's like, I could fit another person next to me on this chair. No problem. You know? (laughs) Do you have anything else to talk about, Joe? I actually do. Um, uh, 
it's not a necessarily like a current Pistons thing, but so Duncan, you're Canadian, right? I'm curious as Correct. to um, I you may have told this before, but I've never heard it. At least, uh, how exactly did you become a Pistons fan as a Canadian? I grew up just outside of Windsor, so uh, I basically was born into Detroit and University of Michigan fandom. Um, so my my Canadian sports allegiances are basically uh, the Canadian national team, um, particularly in hockey, because that's actually worth watching. They're not drawing dead like they are in most of the other sports. Uh, so yeah, I've I've basically just been born into uh, all Detroit sports fandom. And then, is is that kind of just how it is in Windsor, or were you guys a little bit of a exception? I I truthfully do not know. It's uh, it's a fairly close split. Um, I, some people will root for Detroit and Toronto sports in leagues where uh, where both cities have a team. Um, I think, by and large, it's probably a split down the middle um, I growing up a lot of my friends were, uh, were like Maple Leaf fans uh, as far as like hockey would go so I was I was often the only Red Wing fan in a group of of, uh, of hockey fans so um, you know I think it probably varies from neighborhood to neighborhood uh, you know I, there's a pretty decent contingent of, of both um Toronto and Detroit fans in uh, in Windsor and the counties surrounding Windsor where I grew up. Okay, cool. I truthfully, I did not know. Yeah, I didn't know and that there like was like our this... our TV and our our media in general is fairly Americanized. And like, you know, we're we're watching like uh, Fox Two News and like ABC Channel Seven stuff like that. So, um, you know, as a result, like I if I see Celsius. Um, a temperature in Celsius, like I have to convert it to Fahrenheit, you know, for it to like really register like how warm or cold is this? Um, so yeah, we're, we're fairly Americanized over on that side. Okay. It just kind of makes sense that Detroit catches all of, all of my family, at least all of our sporting attention. Okay, cool. Um, oh, cool. You want to say something about that? Go ahead. Oh no, I had a, go ahead. I had a separate question. Oh, okay. Um, I was just going to ask, like, has it been kind of wild to be now covering two different teams at the same time? Because you're covering, you're mostly doing Piston stuff for Forbes, but you've still got the, um, you're you're the site expert at the Heat blog. So is that a little bit crazy or wild or, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of curious about how exactly that goes for you. Yeah, um, it kind of requires, uh, requires um you know a division of time basically uh, especially you know in july like um, the pistons have had a fairly low-key summer but the heat have been involved in like every single rumor and a whole bunch of different trades and stuff so um it's it's definitely required um more of my time this month than than other months um so you know i'm i'm pretty sure that like other other projects and things that i've lagged on elsewhere you know next month when we hit the real dog days of the, of the NBA off season uh, you know probably be able to catch up on those and then uh, you know all you the the, the heat stuff um, that can probably 
bit because I'm not going to be trying to jam out like two or three posts every single day next month like I have been this month. So, yeah, it can get a little crazy, so, some days in particular. So, what side of the war were you on with Russell Westbrook? Were you cheering for the Pistons to get Were you part of, oh, let's hope the Pistons get him instead of the Heat, or were you, let's hope the Heat get him instead of the Pistons? Oh, I was very torn all over the place. Um, you know, I, I wrote about, for Forbes, um, I wrote a piece on the Pistons, Pistons going for it and, and getting Russ, um, you know, even as I was writing it, I was torn. Um, you know, I I didn't have like a strong feeling of of whether such a deal would be good or bad. It felt like mostly bad, but maybe good, which is kind of a thing to feel about something you're advocating, like going for. Um, but on the other hand, like I'm less invested in the Heat being very good. <laughs> um, like you know, whether whether the Heat go out and win the ABA, and the NBA championship next year or they don't. It's not going to affect my personal fandom all that much. So if the Heat, um, you know, if the if the Heat went out and they got Russ, uh, that's great because it's going to bring eyes to the website. You know, that's never a bad thing. Um, but as far as like a competitive thing, like I would, I would probably would have preferred he go to Miami just because if it's a disaster, I'll be less less devastated about that. And if it goes badly, like. Content is content, you know. Um, whereas, uh, if the Pistons traded for us and it went badly, like that would hurt my heart a little bit. Whereas, mm. I, I don't care that much if it happens to the. <laughs> All right, fair. I, and yeah. go ahead. That's, that's basically it. Yeah, like I was. Uh, if it, if it was the Pistons, I would have been accepting and kind of excited. If it was the Heat, really excited and like just ready to see some chaos and like if it goes great tremendous and it goes badly even better <laughs> fair enough and last question how how are you and your best friend brian <laughs> i don't know i haven't logged in the burner a couple, in a couple days so i'm not sure how he's doing <laughs> i'm doing great <laughs> trust me man tr- trust I, don't me, think- I follow i follow both of you guys and it's been it's, hard, it's been hard for me to keep the follow going but I have to because I don't know if you see all. I like I don't. I'm not sure if you still like, if like people tag you and stuff. But I'm pretty sure he has you blocked. So even if they tagged you and you wouldn't be able to see it. But like, <laughs> he has. He, he's got me blocked. I do see everything or just about everything because like as soon as he does something, um, something kind of wacky. Uh, <laughs> I know because I get like six direct messages at the same time. <laughs> people you wouldn't even expect like people i've never talked to uh i keep my i probably shouldn't say this on a podcast but my dms are open um just because like every so often i you know i get an entertaining dm or somebody i don't know wants to tell me that brian said something stupid about me on uh on twitter and these things really entertain me so um you know even though more weird and uh, undesired dms than i probably should um, it's worth it to just like have this uh, this early warning system of early warning. Um, you know, he might throw throw a reference into one of his threads or something about about me um, prince to a shell drill or something, for example. <laughs> you thought okay, because that was the one I was talking about. <laughs> what happened? There was, there was another one the other day when he said something. <laughs> He what said something about uh, 
I don't I forget who he was tweeting at, but he was like he was like, Oh, you did uh you guys are better than or something about Duncan and his blackjack dealing ways or logging <laughs> from a basement or something like that and I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm like on the fourth floor. Like <laughs> Yeah, something like that. And I was like, it's I wonder if basement, I guess. <laughs> I'm just... that was pretty funny. He uh I, I got sent a screenshot of that, and I just say though that I do wish the blocking thing didn't exist because it makes um, makes it really hard to do tweet mashups. <laughs> well, I've learned the hard way you can't mash up tweets of people that uh, blocked you. So, well, uh, Brian, if you if you are listening <laughs> to this, and I assume at some point you probably will be, just unblock me, man. <laughs> yeah, unblock me too, because I always be. People always be sharing, like, the wild shit that he says into group chats, and I can't ever see him. I've always got to be like, hey, you got to send me a screenshot because he blocked me, too. Because I told him one time that he has the mental capacity of a doorstop, and he apparently didn't like that, so he blocked me. He also blocked me on Reddit because he did a Reddit AMA, and I was like, so why do you keep threatening people on Twitter? He's like, I don't know where you've heard that. Yeah. Well, here, let me roll up 87 screenshots. Oh, I think Lord. it's his mental capacity. Lord. Like his, I think his mental capacity is is quite robust. Um, but he has the emotional stability of like a fucking grease fire. Be allowed to swear on this podcast? No. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I know you can probably bleep this out on post. This isn't radio, uh, like uh, uh, with we, bleach or anything. <laughs> Bruh, you think we do post production on this? <laughs> <laughs> I press I press stop recording and this bitch goes right up after that. There ain't nothing That's else way to, to it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. That's so what? How we roll with so it, what? Man. What exactly happened with that? Because I know that you made like a whole. Like, I, trust me, I've been following this since you guys first got into it. It's like the. When I log on to Twitter, that's like the best thing to see. It's the funniest thing. It entertains me, and I'm straight. But I know, like a couple weeks ago, you made a periscope. And you two, you two came to some kind of ceasefire. You guys agreed to like leave each other alone. And then you made a periscope talking about, well, you know, we talked about it and, you know, everything. Yeah, I, if I could correct you. He, oh, okay, go he, ahead. Did his, he did his long blog post, right? Uh, was it 5,000 words? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Words. Um, I know several people ran um, the word counter or whatever to, to check. Yeah, it was. 5,000 plus probably, uh, which might actually be longer than any piece I've ever written. I like to be get my words out as quickly as possible. I got shit to do, man. Like, I don't have all day. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, he, he wrote that blog post. I recall. Uh, which, I mean, that just kind of made me laugh. Um, and, you know, he recounted some, like, some really dark, desperate times in his life that I think he has not recovered from at this point. And I felt some some empathy, but at the same time, like this is still, I had to, I had to throw a couple more barbs out there, and then I got the urge to periscope, which I rarely do. I, I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. I think, um, I think the follower count has grown too large, and it just becomes noisy and less fun um, than it was when it was just like this group. Um, so to post ether, it was a good time to jump on the uh, the old periscope and 
you know, I, I did have to make fun and, and poke at every possible opportunity because I just can't fucking help myself. Um, it is a weakness, <laughs> it's a personality flaw, and yet, like, I get a lot of joy out of it, so, you know, tough luck. Um, so, I did jobs and I pokes and everything, but at the same time, like, I did express some empathy for, like, you know, this, this desperate scenario, this, this desperate situation that he'd found himself in after, um, you know, a job offer fell through. I think he, like, and like had you know got a place and everything and now his job like didn't exist and like his car his rental car got smashed and like some you know small push had happened and so i expressed some empathy you know like who hasn't had like some really dark times like i prefer to you know keep my head down and kind of disappear when i'm struggling and not um multiple twitter riots and stuff but uh, to each their own um, so he he watched the periscope and he appreciated the the empathy that i extended um, even though it was, you know, in like a half hour periscope, he got that and that was cool. And so he messaged me and he, he more or less it happened to that point. And, um, you know, I feel bad for you. And he's like, I, you know, respect what you're doing. Like, I respect your hustle and all that. Apparently a lie. Uh, <laughs> clearly he does not. <laughs> so that it, was a fucking clearly lie. A lie. So, um, so yeah, that lasted about 72 hours. Um, it might have been longer than that, but it was definitely less than the 100-hour mark. Yes, uh, definitely. So I forget exactly what it was that he... Uh, just can't keep track of like all the different things that have happened at this point. Um, but, you know, that didn't last very long, and then uh, he threw another blackjack barb in there, and like, man, I, I really liked that job. Like... <laughs> Only good memories of that job, lots of great friends, stories you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, there was nothing bad about that job at all. Like, thanks for bringing it up. Like, you, I like thinking about it. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, it's just an odd choice on his part to, like, talk about former jobs. Um, you know, he's just not that guy. He's not the guy to be talking about former jobs. Oh, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been told. Yeah, because he has a former job that we all know about, and uh, I think that one's... I could probably go and get a dealer job tomorrow if I wanted to. I'm not entirely sure that he could do the same. So, <laughs> not so, entirely uh, sure. Really? You mean to tell yeah, me yeah. that he's I'm, not willingly like, you know what? I could work for an NBA team, but I'd rather be an asshole on the internet. Well, you know, this guy is crazy, so he might. Actually <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Clearly, a few circuits ain't connecting. <laughs> And you know, you know, since we're already talking about it, I don't care if he listens to it. I mean, I guess I don't care if he blocks. Brian, me. if you're listening to this, I just want you to know something. Your face looks somewhat reminiscent of the south end of a northbound horse. <laughs> chill, chill out. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> When you've got all those team half sips, it doesn't matter what your face looks like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but he's been coming out recently with the. <laughs> I wish you guys were on were unblocked. I wish I wish I, just... I wish I was too. Brady Klumpfer needs some block me too. How am I supposed to troll him every time Andre has a good game? <sighs> no, but he's a struggle. He comes out. He be coming out every day with like a. Like a trivia. He's like, oh, trivia, what's, uh, <laughs> he'll put a, 
it put it put a clip out like yesterday. I think it was it was that Steph play when uh, in the final when Steph helped over on the on the strong side for the three and they kicked out to the corner and everyone's like, oh, what's Steph doing? He was like, he was like, oh, trivia question. What's this defense called? What would be what would it be called if someone said eighty twenty? Tell me if you understand this. And then. And, he expect he and then he put like another tweet under it or something saying that he doesn't expect people to get this and then everybody got it like underneath every <laughs> every person every person got the the answer right so then he quotes it and he's like oh well I guess more people knew about this than I thought but let me go ahead and go into let me <laughs> let me go into some in depth explanation of what it actually is I saw was, one that's amazing I saw one the other day that he was like. Uh, this is not – someone called it – I think it was um, a basketball breakdown guy, Coach Nick. Um, now, he's not always the greatest, but he did something where he called something a zipper action. And Brad's like, this is definitely not a zipper action. And then just everyone was like, I mean, it looks kind of like a zipper action to me, my man. <laughs> so just a list. Just all of the replies just, it looks like zipper to me. I mean, what what is it, what it, what makes this not zipper? He was trying to explain it, and people were still like, yeah, I know, man. It looks like a zipper action to me. <laughs> like, yeah, he's he's a great follow. You the, guys need to get unblocked. I'm telling the you. best part about that guy is that his madness is so well known at this point. Like, you can talk to anybody around the league, and they'll be like, "Yeah, that guy's a fucking maniac." Like, you can get that <laughs> quote from pretty much anybody. I can talk to people who work for the Grand Rapids Drive, and they'll be like, yeah, that guy's a fucking maniac. There was a guy, I tweeted about this, but um, not this specifically, but there was a Philadelphia 76ers scout who sat next to me at a drive game, and we just were shooting the shit at halftime, and somehow Brian came up, and that guy was like, yeah, that guy's a fucking maniac. And it's just like, I just love that. It's, it's like a unifying feature. In today's crazy world, that we can all come together and be like, "Yeah, that Brian Oringer is a maniac," and Brian, you, you are a maniac. If you are like an active basketball watcher, it doesn't matter what else you have in common with the people around you. Yeah, exactly. They probably know about him. They have a fairly polar opinion of him, which is, you know, um, and you know, just like just like you had your conversation with the Sixers scout, like. You know, who knows where that relationship will go now between you and the scout? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it's it. That's how. That's where I get all of my sources from. I just go up to random people around the league. I'm like, you hate this dude no, Brian, Brian. too, right? You know this Brian dude? Isn't that guy stupid? Then they're like, yeah, he is. I'm gonna tell you stuff. That's all my sources, you know. Come on, Joe. Kush no, is jealous that he doesn't have any sources. Yeah, I, oh, stick around long <laughs> enough, you'll get a few. <laughs> oh yeah, no, trust me. I, no, I trust me. I have plenty of them. I know exactly what. Tomorrow we're gonna trade for uh, John Wall. I'm gonna tweet yeah. out tonight. We're yeah. gonna do it by 8:30 p.m. <laughs> I promise. My sources tell me. Sort Put the scoop NBA first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my no, the scoop NBA let me know. They they filled me in. They're gonna take me on. One of my favorite parts of that was when there was the athletic article that they're like predicting they they're just having guys just predict you know who they think might get traded right and um on there was uh Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond and what's his face was like this is legit I double checked with my source 
It's like, you're really double-checking the M... You really think that you could come in here and be like, yeah, The Athletic, who literally has Shams Charnia working for them. You think that you need to double-check with your source if they were to say something like this? Like, you really think that, my guy? Like, imagine... The, the, imagine that being in your thought process. Like, you, oh, yeah, 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 I double-checked, so it's legit. Yeah. At the, the grandiose... <laughs> Um, approach that like these guys with sources, supposed sources take, it just kind of blows my mind. Like when the whole thing in Toronto was going down where like moment where Kawhi was in the SUV and there were helicopters following them and stuff and uh, Ari Abraham tweeted that um, sources close to Kawhi have confirmed that Kawhi is not happy about this uh, about this fanfare. Oh yeah. And I was like yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Kawhi told Uncle Dennis to make sure Ari knows that uh, he's not happy about the fucking helicopter. Yeah, I actually oh, saw that tweet. You tweeted that, didn't you? That was me. Yeah, that was excellent. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. That was an excellent tweet, Duncan. The no, very first thing we got to make sure is that Ari knows. Bad move. Yeah, Uncle Dennis. Yo, Uncle Dennis. Text Ari no. real quick. We need this. <laughs> Come on, Joe, chill out. Well, obviously, obviously it worked out for him. Doesn't he work at the Athletic now because of it? Isn't that, didn't he, like, get brought on? I don't think so. No, he got brought on to something. He got on uh, the to... Ringer, the desktop, NBA desktop. I've never actually seen the NBA desktop or yeah, desktop they, they NBA or whatever it is. Show, but, um, network's show. Yeah, Jason Concepcion's yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, they had him. Yeah, they just had him on the on. show once, I, like they made fun of him or something? I don't know if that's true. Maybe it's wishful thinking. And they didn't really make fun of him, but they were just I mean, that's just kind of a goofy show where they just talk about the random bullshit that happens on the internet of the NBA. So it's kind of fitting to have him on and they just kinda of had him on and talked shit a little bit, basically. Okay. But it's not like they gave him a job, I don't think, or anything like oh, that. Oh, I thought well, that's yeah, good. No, no, no. I thought no, because I thought everyone was, like, raging. Like, I can't believe that this guy lied about all this stuff and he gets rewarded for it. Oh, there does. I suppose we could say we. I think everybody was just was annoyed that he was getting to parlay, like, bald-faced lies into any kind of a platform. Yeah. That, that is, and that Quarter is... Quarter of his followers, I think, overnight after Kawhi went to the Clippers. Oh, we've seen quite a few people's uh, follower count go up from having sources over the past yeah. few weeks. Well, I mean, that's why people do it. I mean, what's-his-face was at, like, 400 when the playoffs are going on. Now he's over 1,000. That's because he keeps saying he's got these sources. So that's kind of just how it be sometimes. So, cool. maybe we should just start doing that. We should just start saying random bullcrap with our with sources. No, nah, I'm, I'm good. Might get I already have a... I already have a... <laughs> I'm already going to have an uphill battle as it is, so let's go ahead and chill out <laughs> with the fake, fake sources. That's how you're going to fight that yeah, uphill battle. Yourself in trouble. <laughs> Stay yep. chill for a while. That's how yeah, you're going to dig your way out of this hole with fake sources. Yep. That's the rebound. That's the way. Back to <laughs> fame and fortune that way. Exactly. Yep, let me, fake sources are going to be Ku's so. rebound chick. Will work, right. though. Um, on like July 2nd, when everybody is like all sweating about why and what was going to happen there. I tweeted something to the effect of um, you guys wouldn't believe the shit my sources are saying right now and within I got like six DMs um, 
a good 300 retweets and likes and stuff. Uh, several posts. Um, and like I was pretty like clearly going to be taken as a joke. Uh, but even something like that, like, man, people are thirsty for sources and yeah. it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, here's the real thing that's like, it's funny when people um, do that sort of thing is that even if some of them have, it's like, okay, it's like, Kuhn, you can attest to this, okay? It's like, Zay Turner and his brother, Raz P. Barry, or whatever his name is, they must have something legit, because not long after we heard what the Derrick Rose contract was going to be, they tweeted it out. They had a typo in it. But, so, clearly they had something, because that was before it was officially released. And, but it's like, people need, to, you need to realize that Front offices talk about doing a whole lot of stuff, and most of it never happens. So if you're out here saying stuff like, Langston Galloway is going to be traded before July, right? Like, I'm sure they're trying to trade Langston Galloway. I'm sure they tried to trade Langston Galloway last summer, too. But, like, that doesn't mean that they're going to actually trade Langston Galloway, you know? Like, you can't just take every single little crumb that you hear and try to turn it into a report. Because then you're just going to prove to people that, no, I'm just so desperate for clout, I'm going to say anything that I hear and just hope that this one ends up being right. So, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny, man. Although it seems to, uh, it seems to piss off more some people more than it does yeah. others. But Yeah, there's some people who get real butthurt about that sort of thing. <laughs> We're not naming any names, but there's some people who really get their panties in a wad over that sort of stuff really big time so yeah I don't know Koo is there anything else you want to talk about nope I believe we've covered just about everything in our hour and 40 minutes on here yeah Duncan anything you want to talk about yet (laughs) no sir I think we covered all of our bases alright cool so we're going to call that a night then um, you, this will go up in the morning, but uh, we're this was a late night podcast. It's almost one o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Cheat, you guys accommodating my uh, late night needs. By the hey, way, that that's fine with us. We, no, we I be up all police. night anyways. Yeah, Ku <laughs> never wakes up before like four in the afternoon. <laughs> like, and and y'all think I'm joking? That is a truth, an absolute truth. So yeah, so it is a rarity if you see me yeah. up early. Yeah, so thanks a lot for coming on, Duncan. Appreciate it. And for staying on for so long. And, uh, yeah. And Koo, we cover some of my favorite topics. What can I say? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, what what's better than talking shit about Brian Oringer? You know? Crickets old. Very, very little. There are a few I mean, things in life. I mean, we've reached a point in the offseason where what else talk about? Exactly. All well, there just, is. Just wait <laughs> until the next is. month, Koo. The further yeah. we get away from Summer League and these free agent signings, the more we're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> we're going to scrape. Yeah, there's, we're going to be. It's going to be pathetic. There will be nothing else. So, I think I think people will like this. This was. I think people find this fun, Joe. I don't know about you. We might have to interview Brian for a piece next month for content. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we should try and get Koo, You got to hit up Brian. Try and get him on this podcast. I will not. Yeah, I will not. Let's do it. No. Let's do it. Can you imagine, no. though? I want to get him on. The, uh, Go ahead. Well, on podcasts, it might not be that bad. You you might you might like him. Who knows? 
No, because if it starts getting bad on here, I won't hold back from. Uh, I won't. I won't hold back in the screaming match. All I, I want to do. All I want to do is get them all riled up to come on here, start the podcast. We'll do the intro, and then when I get to Brad, be like, and then uh, we've got a special guest with us today, Brian Oringer. Uh, he has the mental capacity of a doorstop, and then that's it. That's the end of the podcast. That's all I want. I just want him to rage quit. Just, I think that'd be wonderful. I, I, some people would consider that bullying, Joe. But you know, here's the thing, okay? People sometimes like, Joe, why do you get into arguments with people on Twitter all the time? When I started doing this, like, on Reddit, getting into arguments and bullying people online is basically the only reason that I did any of this, but then I became a mod, so I had to stop doing it on Reddit. So I love a good Twitter beef. I basically live for it. So yes, Koo, you're absolutely right. That is bullying, and that's exactly would be my intention. I, if he came on this podcast, I would bully him, one hundred percent. I would bully him till he quit the podcast. If you don't want to get bullied, don't be a dickhead all the time. You know. That's my dream. If you don't want, I'm emotionally get... invested in this idea now. We need to see if we can make this happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm emotionally invested. If you don't, if, how about this? How about this? I'll send the message. I'll, I'll make a deal with you guys. I will send that message legit. I will send that message if in the middle of our, like in the middle of us recording this, like we got him on the Discord and we were recording Joe's that did the intro and he's middle of talk. Joe stops and be like, oh, hold on. I forgot to tell everybody. We have another special guest. And then out of nowhere, Duncan just joins the Discord. My God, is that Duncan Smith's music? Ambush. <laughs> It'll be like The Undertaker out of nowhere. Yep, exactly. I would do it if that if that happens. I will mess. No, look, honestly, if if I can put up with Neroin on a podcast, I think I can put up with him on a podcast. To be honest, like I'm not sure. I've had a few people that I really despise on the on the podcast, but that's one of the reasons that I decided to have Koo on as just like a full time co host. Is that when you're always looking for guests, sometimes it's like, well, I also have this person I hate because everyone knows that I hate him, so some people will listen. I just got sick of that sort of crap. So I was like, I'll just have Koo on, and I'll just have someone that I only kind of hate all the time, you know? At least tolerable. So, yeah. Sounds Anyways, we're trying to end the podcast here, so... <laughs> Long outro. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, thanks for coming on, Duncan, and uh, Koo. Thank you, Duncan. Stay strong, Koo. We're all with you. We'll, 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 we'll leave a, a, a lonely cairn of stones for you in your spot. Actually, no, but for real, but for real, real quick, not trolling. Uh, oh, Lord. Uh, no, not for real, not trolling. Uh, everyone go check out my YouTube, follow me on my YouTube, and subscribe. That's where all my work will be. All my, I'll start getting more videos out now, especially. So that's where you can find me until uh, I find somewhere else to start writing at. So definitely, everyone go follow me on YouTube if you want to see my content. That's Koo's Ballroom. So and, go ahead and check that out. And last thing, I guess, kind of connected to that. I tweeted it out earlier, but so... Um, I mentioned it on the last podcast. We're gonna start um, uh, a live a live stream show where we're both gonna be on video. It's I don't know exactly what we're we gotta decide exactly how it will work. We'll work through some of the kinks, but we had a successful test of that um, tonight before Duncan came on here. So that will be a go at some point in the nearest future. So keep an eye out for that too. So yeah, um, stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.